Last call. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, July 30th. It's the Major League Baseball trade deadline today at 4 p.m. If you're listening to this show tomorrow, the deadline was yesterday. 4 p.m. This is an interesting trade deadline. Please remember, this is the final trade deadline. In previous years, there was a rule that you could make trades up to August 31st if a player had passed through waivers. Technical, don't worry about it. All I know is that in previous years, 2019 and before, you could make trades after July 31st. So it was not the true last call. It was one of those last calls where you're at the bar. The lights go on. They say last call. You get around and then you talk to the bartender and you say, hey, how about another? And they say, sure, I'm just cleaning up. But here's another round. No problem. And meanwhile, it's 5 a.m. and you stumble out with the bartender. I mean, I have no idea if anyone ever does that, but I'm just saying that's possible. Last call today in Major League Baseball at 4 p.m. is a true last call, as in it's closing time. I don't know where you're going, but you can't be here, Justin and Mila. Lots been going on. You'd think that yesterday was the deadline. We got to talk about these trades. But before we do, you know how much I love Terry Francona as a person, as a manager. I know him, obviously, only in a professional sense. But what I will tell you is that he is no longer the manager of the Cleveland Indians. He has, again, stepped aside for the rest of the season for health reasons. I want to send out all of my best to Terry Francona. He is uh, no one deserves to be sick at all. So please get well, Terry. The Los Angeles Dodgers. I want you to picture being Andrew Friedman. Andrew Friedman is the general manager, president of baseball operations with the Los Angeles Dodgers, came from the Tampa Bay Rays, came from a team where he had to be smart because they had no money, went to the Los Angeles Dodgers, got paid a fortune over $10 million a year. And his job was to take his small market mentality and bring it to a large market. Sorry, Coca. Damn it. 70, 40, 69. Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers, had a job when he was hired coming from a low revenue team like the Tampa Bay Rays, going to a high revenue team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. His job was to do what he did in Tampa in Los Angeles. When he got hired, I said to myself and I said to Andrew, I said, you know, you're not going to act like you acted with Tampa because you know very well that whatever mistakes you make, boom, you get to cover them up. And it changes the way you are when you know that you're working with a net. You know why it's more dangerous when people do the Walenda's brothers, the Walenda brothers are going across the Grand Canyon and there's, they're walking on a tightrope and there's nothing below them and you're watching because if they slip, they're going to fall into the canyon, they're done. And when they're doing it, they know they're going to die. Like the guy in Free Solo when he's climbing Half Dome at Yosemite, if he doesn't make it or he slips or something happens and the powder in his finger doesn't work, boom, ah, done. It's not as exciting, not as many sponsors if there's a net right there or you're wearing a harness, right? Not as cool. You may go, but you're not going to pay top dollar. The Dodgers operate with a harness. They operate with a net. 
when they're out there signing Trevor Bauer, they say, we'll give him $102 million, $40 million for two years, and then $20 million the third year or whatever it is. We know he's a bad guy. We know he showed up Terry Francona. We know he's a pain in the neck when it comes to social media. We don't know that he's going to be a felon when it comes to abusing women. But if he is or he doesn't perform, I've got a harness on. You don't have that harness in Tampa, Andrew. And boy, did he use that harness. I want to talk about what happened last night. Word comes out and here's forget the public word. Forget all the rumors you read. I love it. Everybody in the media has got a source. They all want to be first. Then they get credit from all the other people with millions of followers. God bless them. I don't know how that happens. David P. Sampson, come on. I guess I just don't break news. And that's what people are looking for. But that's not breaking news. That's just a source tells me Scherzer to the Padres. Breaking news. Get on CBS. Let's go. It's been reported by 17 different outlets. Max Scherzer's on the Padres. I go on a radio show to talk about Max Scherzer of the Padres because they call me to talk about it. Hey, can you come on and talk about Scherzer on the Padres and what it would mean having Scherzer and Darvish and Snell? That's that's like having three aces. Really? Snell's not an ace. He's not even close. Darvish, he's a 2-3. Scherzer, eh, he's a 1-2. Oh, they're going to go. They're going to win. Not so fast, Pedro. So, Washington Nationals are run by a guy named Mike Rizzo. Mike Rizzo is on the phone. He knows he's going to trade Scherzer. He knows he's going to trade Schwarber. He knows he wants to trade Turner. He's calling teams. He's saying these players are available. Hit me with your best shot. Meanwhile, what's being reported is that Max Scherzer gets to decide who he wants to play for. If you are the owner of a team that has a player with a no trade clause who you want to trade, you go to that player first and you say, who do you want to play for? But don't tell anybody because I know you love us. We're the Nationals. We gave you the seven-year deal. We won a World Series together. You are a Hall of Famer as a National, no matter what you do going forward. Please don't ruin it by telling anybody what team you're going to play for. Because if you do, then the other teams aren't going to bid and the team you want to play for isn't going to give us anything. And we want to get something because we don't really want to suck for long. We know we're sucking this year. So Max Scherzer has not indicated. He prefers the West Coast, we hear. Padres, Giants, Dodgers are all in. Padres, get them. Wait, Dodgers and Giants are still making offers. What a bunch of horse hockey. The way it was working, there was never a deal with the San Diego Padres. Max Scherzer didn't say, oh, I'll go to any team. Don't worry about it. You do your best. Scherzer wanted to be on the Dodgers. He thought they had a better chance of winning, and I don't blame him. Great team, great organization, great history, defending champions. It doesn't make him Durant. If he comes in and helps them win the second of a back-to-back, that is a credit to him. So Rizzo calls up the Dodgers and says, listen, Scherzer's willing to go to the Padres, Giants, or to your team. He doesn't tell Friedman the truth. He says he's willing to go to all three teams. What do you got? Well, what if we include Turner? Why are we including Turner? Do you think the owner of the Nationals was upset that the Nationals were including Turner in a deal for the into the Dodgers? No, they can't re-sign Trey Turner. They're using all the money to choose one position player 
Juan Soto. And they're going to choose the next pitcher. It's not going to be Scherzer, but they're going to choose the next pitcher to give seven years, $200 million to. You can't have, unless you're the Dodgers, an overabundance of 300 or $200 million contracts, unless you're the Yankees or the Dodgers. You got to choose. The Nats had already chosen Juan Soto. Therefore, Trey Turner is going to get traded. You know that Corey Seager with the Dodgers is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. What an opportunity to get Turner and Scherzer to the Dodgers, knowing that Scherzer will waive his no trade clause. And you're going to get a very, very heavy prospect load in return because the Dodgers are loaded and they want to win back-to-back titles way more than they want to have the top farm system because they've got the money to keep getting the top farm system, to keep getting as many prospects as they want, to keep trading for international slot money from other teams who don't have the budget to use it, to keep going over the luxury tax threshold. They have the ability to do it all. So they are the perfect way to do it. Keep in mind, of course, as we're preparing for the show, Coca said, you know, the Nationals must feel screwed that they've got Strasburg signed for five more years. I, I know, but they've got, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. I promise you that. So here's what I would like to do. I would like to say to you that the Los Angeles Dodgers are the winner of the trade deadline, which hasn't even stopped yet. And the reason they're the winner is that they were the winner before it even started because Scherzer wanted to go there and they had the money as a high revenue team to do whatever they wanted to do. And they had the Trevor Bauer situation, which they wanted to erase. And the bonus, and believe me, I know Andrew, the bonus that Andrew Friedman feels today is that he got to get one over on A.J. Preller, the GM of the Padres, who was doing a Snoopy dance, walking around thinking that he had Scherzer, like we thought we had Pujols in 2012, and we were celebrating quietly, leaking it, definitely leaking it, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's an angel. Well, that's what happened. Scherzer's going to be a Dodger. Holy cow. So the Nats are big sellers, and I lost a wait to see on that. I had a wait to see for... Max Scherzer, it was, what day was it, Coca? The Max Scherzer wait to see was on June 28th of 2021. A little over a month ago, I said that Max Scherzer will not be traded before the deadline. And the Nationals hadn't lost 17 in a row. Strasburg wasn't out for the season at that point. He was only mostly out. Schwarber's hamstring hadn't totally fallen off his leg. I couldn't imagine that they were ever going to sell because the learners, the owners, don't like selling. I wouldn't have imagined, but I was wrong. And I revisit wait to seize when I'm wrong. I was wrong. Scherzer was traded. Schwarber goes to the Red Sox. Not even worth talking about. Chaim Bloom, the head of the Red Sox, is a very smart guy. He knows that Schwarber is a short-term help. He's on a one-year deal that was signed by the Nationals. He'll pay him a little bit this year and hope that Schwarber's June can turn into a hot August and September. The problem is Schwarber has a a, uh, hamstring issue. And hamstrings can be tough for any player, but especially when you're sort of a big guy with tight hamstrings like Schwarber, that is something that could bother him for the rest of the deadline, for the rest of the season. If the Red Sox do nothing else, that would not be what I would consider a good deadline. What do you think about the Yankees so far? That's the other big trade that happened last night. Anthony Rizzo. They took a picture of Rizzo in the Ivy 
getting lost in the ivy with his wife, kids, and dog, and everyone was crying. All the Cubs fans were so sad. I hadn't seen them cry like that since 03, game seven. Where? Where? Anthony Rizzo held the ball of the final out in 2016 of your first World Series in, what was it, a hundo? Anthony Rizzo is forever a Cub. Anthony Rizzo is not a difference-making player any longer on the field. Anthony Rizzo is one of the best people off the field I've come across in baseball. One of the most charitable, one of the most gracious, one of the nicest, a true mensch. Menches do not get rings. This mensch happens to be a lefty. The Yankees need lefties. So they bring in Joey Gallo. Now they bring in Anthony Rizzo and everyone in New York is celebrating. Celebrate good times. Come on, look at this lineup. Are you kidding me? Gallo, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo. <gasps> Rizzo's a great name. A great name. Don't get me wrong. Rizzo is not the difference if the Yankees do not get starting pitching today. Here's a little nugget for you, New York. They have zero chance of sizing their fingers for rings. Zero. Zero. You cannot get caught up in names, and God knows I did it. I got caught up in names so many times. Oh, he's good. He was good years ago. Yeah, but he, what a name. He's going to be good again. Nope. Did you see the picture of Chris Bryant? That was a funny one. Chris Bryant of the Cubs, sort of like the last man standing. I've got to wait to see that Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant, two of those three, will not be on the Cubs in 2022. If they're traded today, if Brian and or Baez are traded today, I cannot take credit for that way to see because they could always do a Chapman where the Yankees trade him to the Cubs, wins the World Series, and then the Yankees sign him back as a free agent. The Cubs could trade Rizzo to the Yankees and then sign Rizzo back as a free agent. And that's what people in the media and on Twitter were saying is going to happen. Here's a little nugget for you. NGTH. Jed Hoyer is way too S-M-A-R-T to re-sign Rizzo for what Rizzo thinks he wants because Rizzo is not that player anymore. Things that I'm looking for over the next few hours, if the Cubs do not trade Chris Bryant, that is a large mistake. If they don't trade Javi Baez, that is a large mistake. They've got to start what they finished. That was not said correctly. They have to finish what they started. Javi Baez is not making it any easier for the Cubs, which is disappointing. Javi Baez came out with a quote. When we had players do this, I remember I would go up to them and say, listen, is that helpful? You're telling me that you want to be traded to the Mets because you want to play with Francisco Lindor. So now, you know what? I'm going to trade you to the Blue Jays where they have no pit bulls allowed. Don't tell me where you want to be traded to. If you want to be traded somewhere, negotiate a trade clause where you can only be traded to one team. Why would you put me in a position where the Mets know that they can get Baez because that's where Baez wants to go and they have a good chance to retain him and therefore he's not a rental, therefore they're going to give up more. Wait a minute. That's brilliant. Hold on, let me call the Mets. Steve. Hey, Steve, it's Jed. All right, Sandy, I'll talk to you too. Hey, I think Javi's going to resign with you for sure. So... Would you mind giving us more prospects, if you don't mind, for Javi, even though he's just a rental? Because for you, he's not a rental. 
Hey, no problem. Let, let me just, can we call Javi and negotiate that deal first? No. Well, why not? Well, there's no time. Well, let, let me just call Javi and see. Wink, wink. We've already spoken to Javi. Javi, are you willing to sign right now? No. Well, no, I really got to test the market. I said I wanted to play with Lindor. True, but I got to see what's out there. I mean, unless, of course, you're going to overpay me and give me, if you'll give me Lindor's deal, I'll agree to that right now. Well, you're not Lindor. I'm not giving you Lindor's deal. You know, you were great, but now you're fine. But we already signed Lindor, who was great and then fine. And now he's sort of been fine, but we hope he's great again. We can't do that twice. No, no, no. Steve and Sandy, Baez said he wants to be a Met. That means he's going to be a Met. If Steve Cohn and Sandy Alderson overpay for Javi Baez today, which is now the rumor, then they deserve their fate of not winning the National League East. Because unless you have a deal already agreed to, do not believe when a player says that that's the only place he wants to go. And if you're concerned, if you're a team trading for Javi Baez that he wants to be a Met and you're not going to be able to keep him, does that mean you're going to offer less to the Cubs? No. When you trade for a rental, you always assume that player is not going to resign unless you have a prearranged deal for him to be with you. And that does not happen very often at all. Javi gave this quote. If I go to free agency, I would like to play with Francisco Lindor. I love playing with him in the World Baseball Classic. It is the only option I would take to play second base if it is to play with him. Otherwise, I stay playing at shortstop. Here's a nugget for you, Javi. You're going to play whatever position I tell you to play when I pay you more money than anyone else is going to pay you. That's how it works. We went to Jose Reyes and we offered him, he wanted over a hundred million. We got him over a hundred million dollars. We gave him the extra year to get him there. We said, if Hanley won't play third base, will you play third base? And Reyes said, sure, whatever you want. No problem. Hanley agreed to play third base, so Jose stayed at shortstop. Hanley didn't really want to move to third base, so it totally screwed our team in 2012. But you think players who say they want to play a certain position stick to that? It's laughable. Executives read that quote, and they actually laugh. I don't mind when players around the trade deadline express themselves. I really don't. It never impacted me. It never impacted conversations with other GMs. I would prefer players not to be public right up to the trade deadline, frankly, at any time. But players who want to express themselves, you don't have to shut up and pitch or shut up and hit. That's fine. You want to express confidence? You want to express you? Well, express is all new and all about you with the fresh... You want to express confidence? You want to express to you? 40, 10, 6, 9. Wipe it, Coca. Let's do that read starting again right now. Express confidence. Express you. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfy styles. Have you gotten your seven-way hype-stretch denim yet? It used to be four-way hyper-stretch denim out in left and right. They are now working. This is totally breaking news. A source tells me that Express is working 
on a 69-way stretch denim. That will be epic. What are you waiting for? Coca wants me to remind you that the cotton stretch shirts he gets from Express, which he hasn't gotten for free quite yet, which is shocking. Hello, CBS. Are you there? They're breathable. They don't leave any nasty pit stains. And believe me, you can see those through tattoos. Thank you for that. Be on the lookout for great summer deals at express.com. That site again, E-X-P-R-E-S squared D-O-T-C-O for delicious. We come back. We're not going to review a movie, but we're going to talk about movies. And we're going to get to a So You Want to Talk to Samson that I think will be of interest to you. We will be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Today is Friday. Yes, it is. MLB trade deadline comes up at 4 p.m. Eastern. Not 5 p.m., not 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Although, if you do a trade at 4.15 and you've got the commissioner on the phone, you're going to be okay. What were we talking about? Oh, yes. I watch a movie every single day. We review a movie every day or a TV show. Next week, I'm going to be reviewing a movie called My Blind Brother. I'm also going to be reviewing season two of the movies that made us, if you want to check that out. There's two seasons of it. The first season I loved, the second season I loved more. It's really cool to watch movies that you've seen, how they're made, some of the backstories. Loved it, loved it. But today, I want to talk about Black Widow. I'm not reviewing it because, as you know, I already reviewed Black Widow. I want to talk about Colin Joe's wife. Colin Joe's wife is the star of Black Widow, and she plays Black Widow. She got paid about 20 mil, sort of Aaron Brockovich type money to play the part. But yesterday it was announced that Scarlett Johansson was suing Walt Disney. That's it. Walt Disney, the owner of ESPN, the people who run the parks, Disney World and Disneyland, like Magic Kingdom, Snow White, Slopey, Snoopy, Slopey, Sneezy, Dopey, Goofy. She's suing Walt Disney. And let me explain why. The way it works with movie stars of a certain level, and you've got to be like really, really high up when you are doing Marvel movies, Avenger movies, or you just have had a great career. Sometimes you get what's called back-end participation. Back-end participation is when 
in addition to the salary you get for doing the movie, you also get a percentage of the profits. That's called net profits though. Let me explain what the odds are of movies making net profits. I can cook the books any way I want, which will limit the net profits. If I've given points away to actors or producers or directors, I can find a way, I can find a way to make any movie less profitable than it actually was. Or I can choose who I want to make rich from this movie, from any movie from any business. When you sign a profit participation deal, you better lock it up. Lock it. You better have gone to five lawyers, gone through an extensive negotiation process, gotten a legal opinion from those law firms about how the calculation is going to be done. Then you have to get audit rights to the studio or the producers, and you've got to be auditing every second of every day and you have to have a payment schedule, you have to have it so airtight that it would suffocate even someone like David Blaine. That's the type of lock it up I'm talking about. Well, Scarlett Johansson had back-end participation with Black Widow based on the box office, and uh-oh, Walt Disney released the movie on a streaming service, as well as the box office. The streaming service was called Disney Plus, which you may pay $9.99 for. But on top of that, you had to pay $29.99 to watch Black Widow. And you can watch it with as many people as you want. And that money goes to Disney Plus. And it turns out the contract that Scarlett Johansson signed when they were doing the calculation for profit of the movie was box office return profit, not streaming profit. Ruh-roh! Scarlett Johansson said, that's no fair. I thought you were going to release this movie in theaters only, ITO, it's called, in theaters only, not STV, straight to video, not T and S. It's just T and S. That's from a chorus line. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Coca, help me out. It's just T and S. <laughs> theaters streaming. It's Friday. GMAB, folks, don't be offended. It's a song from a great Broadway show. Somebody's smiling out there. Someone in my demographic, meaning born in the 60s, is smiling. So the movie gets released on stream, makes a fortune, like 60 million streaming Black Widow, and she gets no part of it. She sues Walt Disney saying, you're going to owe me 50 extra million dollars because the profits are going to be less in the box office than they would have been if you'd only released it in the theater. And Walt Disney had to release a statement, and it was a good one. The lawsuit is especially sad. Let me stop you there, Walt Disney. You guys should be good at statements. Maybe you're out of practice. Lawsuits aren't sad. They can be without merit. They can be foolish. They can be wrong. They're never sad. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. WTF? Who approved that statement? You're telling me that Walt Disney, the company that is getting rid of employees at ESPN left, right, and center, that is bleeding money right, center, and left, 
that is making contracts with stars to get movies out to streaming as quickly as possible, to try to get as many subs as possible, to try to bolster a stock price that's in the clapper and trying to get some cash money back from all the money they lose at the parks. They did a good job doing a contract with Scarlett Jost. And they start their lawsuit to say how sad it is that there have been global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. All of a sudden, the COVID-19 pandemic is what made your lawyers good at drafting a contract and Scarlett's lawyers should be sued for malpractice by Scarlett. Disney has fully complied with Ms. Johansson's contract. And furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with premier access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the 20 million she has received to date. Hmm. And significantly enhanced. That means maybe she does share in the streaming money. That means that Scarlett Johansson has to prove in a court of law that by releasing it on streaming, it actually had a deleterious impact on the overall profit of the movie. Good luck with that, Scar Joe. This lawsuit doesn't have a shot, but I'll tell you what it does have. It has a guarantee, a guarantee that going forward, Disney will do what Warner Brothers is doing currently where they are doing contracts with their talent, where they are redefining what it means to have back-end participation. They are redefining what the formula is for profitability because it used to be when a movie went straight to video, that means it was crap, right? Now, when movies go straight to streaming, that could be a compliment. Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit is without merit. She will not win. Disney will not settle. Because if she does, that opens up. If Disney does settle with ScarJo, it opens up an entire can of worms with other actors who have similar provisions through the Disney company. But it will result in Disney changing the formula, changing the contracts. I certainly wish that this had not happened because it puts a bad taste in my mouth about Scarlett Johansson and about Walt Disney. But it is what it is. So you asked about that lawsuit, I wanted to explain it, why Scarlett Johansson was doing it and what the likelihood of success is, which I don't think is very likely. Okay, Coca, someone had a question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. You know what I want. I want to host this cupcake right now. I'm training for an ultra marathon, which I'm going to do in December. I haven't really talked about this yet. I'm going to do the Daytona 100 where I run from Daytona to Jacksonville. It's 100 miles. You get 30 hours to do it. I'm running the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon as part of my New Year's resolutions that I would run over three marathons this year, calendar year. I'm doing it to raise money for various charities. So I ran this morning. My back sort of hurts. Why am I even talking about running? Oh, because I was thirsty and drinking some water while doing the show. No, that can't be it. Oh, because I had pasta last night. No, that can't be it. Oh, because so you want to talk to Samson's when you ask a question and then I answer it. Get onto my Twitter, David P. Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, and ask any question you want. David, love the show. Thank you. Hello. With the trade deadline approaching, I would love to hear from you about what a player goes through when they get traded. How much does a player know in advance they might get dealt? This is a multi-part question. Let me start with that. 
in the old days, players would pretend they didn't know anything because they didn't know anything because no one knew anything other than what was leaked to the written media that would then be written about in newspapers. Any trades done after a newspaper deadline, no one ever knew anything. And you would call the player and say, hey, hi, you've been traded. They'd say, oh, where? We'd say, oh, to the Blue Jays. They'd say, oh, that sucks, but okay. No, I love Toronto. I don't know who wouldn't want to get traded to Toronto. You don't want to get traded to an outpost where you're not going to win. You want to get traded at the deadline to a place where you're going to win. Or if you're a young player, you want to get traded to an organization where you have a chance to go through the system quickly. But now these days are totally different. Players know in advance because of all the rumors that are going on on Twitter. And they also have an idea because more executives are like me where I'm going to the players in advance to say, listen, I understand the pressure you're under. I understand that July 30th is coming up, but yeah, we're having conversations about you. There's nothing final yet, but I promise to stay in touch. So some teams operate that way. Some don't. What happens once the trade is official, as far as them getting to the new team? Great question. We call the player and say, you've been traded. Anthony, we love you. Thank you for the winning the World Series. We're both going to cry. We're going to hug. We've traded you to the New York Yankees. What's going to happen now after you take pictures at the Ivy is the traveling secretary for the Yankees is going to call you. I've also given your cell number to Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. They're going to call you too. It's possible Hal Steinbrenner is going to call you as well because they want to be able to tell the media, yes, they've spoken to you. But the call you really have to wait for is the traveling secretary. The Yankees are in Miami right now. And the traveling secretary for the Yankees is going to get you on a flight from Chicago to Miami. And you will then hear about all the plans from there. Then the player gets a call from the clubhouse manager. The clubhouse manager of the Yankees will call and they will figure out whether or not Rizzo will continue to wear number 44. Spoiler alert. No, he won't. That's why when the Yankees trade for players and they have so many retired numbers, the clubhouse manager makes the call and they say, hey, what number do you want? He says 44. He says, no, that's Reggie's number. Try again. Two, no, that's Jeter's number. Try again. And you try again. You try again. And Rizzo will eventually choose a new number. So that's what happens. Rizzo will be on a plane to Miami today. What happens once the trade is... Sorry, I did that. Does the former team have any responsibility to help the player at that point? Nope. Who helps finalize housing in the original city? And where does the player live in the new city? Great question. When we trade for a player, we have our traveling secretary, call the player, get him to wherever our team is. But we also have a list of people who are our go-to when it comes to housing, when it comes to babysitting, when it comes to renting hotels, we have brokers who we work with exclusively. Yes, they pay us, who will help players when they are coming to our city. It's different when they come during the season versus during the off season, because during the off season, we will give them a list of possible people who could help them. But during the off season, players tend to do it on their own. They use their own people because they have more time. When you are traded in the middle of a season, you don't have a lot of time to start looking at places. So you are going to find a hotel to stay at in New York City that the Yankees will help you with. And then the Yankees will have a stable of rental apartments where Rizzo can live until the end of the season because Rizzo is a free agent at the end of the year. So it is the new team 
that will help with housing if the player wants it. It's the new team that will tell the player where to live, but it is also the suggestion, right? Here's the drive time from the city to the stadium in the Bronx. Here's how long it takes to get to LaGuardia. If you've got kids, you want to maybe near Central Park. You may want to live in Brooklyn. You may want to live in Westchester. You may want to live in Long Island. But that is all for a player who's coming on a free agent long-term deal. When it's a mid-season deal for a rental, you just put them in a hotel, give them a chance at a rental furnished apartment, and that's the end of that. Thank you. Those were good questions. It's tough on players. Listen, I just would like to say that we'll talk about this. I think we may do a bonus episode today at the end of the trade deadline, depending on what else happens throughout the day, if there's any other big trades. We may do just sort of a sum up winners and losers type thing. But I will say that there is a lot of tension in clubhouses in the week leading up to the deadline. There's a lot of tension today, no doubt about that. And the reason for that tension is that when it's uncertain where you're going to be, whether or not your best friend is going to be on your team, whether or not you're going to have to move with your kids and your wife and your dog or your whatever situation you're in, all of those things are not taken into account by the team, either who is trading you or who is acquiring you. There's only one example I can think of where there was a trade done with family in mind and Coca, I don't think there's a chance I'll come up with it, but I want to say it was Stephen Piscotti who had a, uh, uh, his mother was dying from ALS. So he was traded to be close to home. I think that may be right, but those are so few and far between. It's the only one I can really think of at all. The majority of the time we are making trades where we have no no care where you're going. We want the best return. We're disappointed if we have to sell because we wish we could buy. If we buy and we don't win, we're disappointed we didn't win. We're trying to save our jobs. Jobs. We're trying to get extensions of our contracts. GMs and presidents, we're going for bonuses. We're going for more money. We're trying to win games as best as possible. We're trying to run a business. We don't take into account the player, the player's mental well-being, the tension that exists in the clubhouse. But what I did every year is after the deadline, I went into the clubhouse and met the team every single year to talk about what we had done, to talk about where we were going, because I wanted to own up to what we were doing. After every deadline, I would meet the team. Nothing personal pick of the day. Remember I told you that Ryu and the Jays would beat the Red Sox? They pummeled the Red Sox. We are 99 and 84. One game away from hitting the 500 mark because the Jays beat the Red Sox. All right, we got three games. It's very hard to do picks for the weekend, not knowing what's going to happen with the deadline, but I've got three sure winners. We are 99 and 84. I'd like to come back to you at 102 and 84 at the on Monday. Tonight, the Yankees are in Miami. Giancarlo Stanton is in Miami playing the Marlins. Giancarlo Stanton will get a standing ovation from Marlins fans as he should. Giancarlo Stanton is on the Mount Rushmore of Marlins players. Giancarlo Stanton won the MVP as a Marlin. Giancarlo Stanton was the leader of the Marlins when Jose died. The leader on the field, the leader in the clubhouse. He returns with the team he always wanted to play for. Stanton will be there. Gallo will debut. It is possible Rizzo will be there as well. Rizzo is a hometown favorite in Miami, having gone to high school in Parkland. I believe that he went to the 
Parkland High School, Stoneman Douglas, where the shootings were. And he raised a ton of money for them, by the way, for the victims and their families and for gun control, et cetera. But I could be wrong, Coca. There is a lot going on. Tonight's game is Jameson Talon. He's on red alert because he's got to start pitching well with Garrett Cole pitching now like the three that he was before he could use sticky substances. But Friday's pick is Yankees over Marlins. Saturday's game is an interesting one. The Giants may make a big move today. The Astros are in first place in their division. It's two first place teams, Greinke versus Wood. When you are a buyer, the way the Astros have bought a bit, the Giants have not yet. I am taking the Astros over the Giants. I believe the Astros are the better team. I believe that the Giants, as you know, I have a wait to see the Dodgers are going to win the NL West. And that was before the season started. The Giants have been great. If they get Chris Bryant, does that help them? Yeah. Does it allow the Giants to hang on for 60 more games? We'll see. I don't think so. I think the Astros are just too good. Astros over the Giants on Saturday. Then we've got a great National League game on Sunday with the Mets and Reds. The Mets do not have the NL East wrapped up by any stretch. Yes, the Nats are sellers. Yes, the Marlins are sellers. That leaves the Phillies who still could add the Braves who are sort of in the middle. But the Mets have struggled. As you know, DeGrom is hurt. Marcus Stroman has been pitching like a one-two recently, and he will continue to pitch like a one-two, even though they are playing the Reds, who are one of the hotter teams. I like Stroman over the Reds. So to repeat, it is a big game for both teams, but to repeat, Yankees over Marlins Friday, Astros over Giants Saturday, Mets over Reds Sunday. We're 99 and 84. Okay, I want to talk about some wait to sees because there's been some activity on those. And I know that people come up to me all the time through social media and believe it or not, in person sometimes, which is I had my first in-person experience with a wait to see situation. I hadn't quite had that yet. There are people who recognize and say, oh, nice job on Survivor. You stink. Oh, nice job with the Marlins. You stink. I hadn't quite had someone which just happened to me say, hey, I really like those wait to sees. Wait to seize is when I say something's going to happen. And if it does, I'm going to revisit it. If it doesn't, I'm going to revisit it. I like revisiting because I like having accountability. I like being in touch with you all. You know, I try that on Twitter, David P. Sampson. I really do. I try to engage with as many fans as possible because I love the fact and I respect the fact that you take the time to listen to nothing personal. I respect the fact that you know that you have to vote for nothing personal in the People's Choice Podcast Awards because voting ends tomorrow. And I love that you will take a minute of your time for best male host, me and Coca, for People's Choice Award for best podcast and in the sports category. Please go to some website, just search People's Choice Podcast Awards. You can go to my Twitter at David P. Sampson. The tweet will be pinned until tomorrow. But I have accountability to you because you give me 45 minutes of your time every single day. So I'm going to revisit it even when I'm wrong. On January 28th, 2021, I don't know if you recall this, Kurt Schilling lost his mind and said, I don't want to be on the Hall of Fame ballot anymore. Take me off. He has one year of eligibility left. I told you, uh-uh. 
the Hall of Fame will make sure he's on the ballot for his 10th and final year. And I promise you, he will not get into the Hall of Fame. And that will be the end of Curt Schilling. And my wait to see was Curt Schilling will be on the Hall of Fame ballot next year. Well, yesterday, the board of directors voted unanimously to deny Curt Schilling's bid to be taken off the Hall of Fame ballot. That wait to see is a straight yes from January 28th, 2021. What about April 19th, 2021? I told you Steven Strasburg would not start 20 games for the Nats this season, well before his recent thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, well before half of his injuries. April 19th, I said Strasburg will not start 20 games. He is out for the year. That wait to see came true. That's a yes. What about Aaron Rodgers? We talked about him a bit. On May 3rd, 2021, I said Aaron Rodgers will not be traded before the 2021 season. That's when everyone was sure Dodger, the Dodgers, the Packers are going to trade Rodgers. He's miserable. They're going to do right by him. And I said, nope, they're going to do right by them. And the money would tell you that they can't trade him before the 22 season, the 2022 season. He's not going to be traded. That's an official yes from May 3rd. We followed that up June 8th with another Aaron Rodgers wait to see saying that he's not going to show up to minicamp, but he's also not going to get fined. Well, he didn't show up to minicamp. He didn't get fined. That wait to see ended up being a yes from June 8th, 2021. I told you that Scherzer will not be traded before the deadline on June 28th. He was. That's a no. What about on July 2nd of 2021, earlier this month? Do you remember when the NIL happened with college athletics? And Reggie Bush released that entire statement saying, I want my Heisman back, please. I deserve it. And I said, no chance, toilet pants. July 2nd, I said, Bush will not get his Heisman trophy back. Well, the Heisman committee met and guess what they said? Sorry, Reggie, no Bush for you. That wait to see ended up being correct. He is not getting his Heisman trophy back. Well, I got to wait to see for you today. And it has to do with the trade that happened in the NBA. Rob Manford was furious yesterday, the commissioner of baseball, absolutely furious that the NBA was making trades and the NBA draft was yesterday. He wants the trade deadline to himself. He wants all the big news, all the big trades that are happening. And wouldn't you know it, one of the biggest trades in the NBA happened yesterday. Russell Westbrook was traded from the Washington Wizards to the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James has a big three. Mr. Triple-Double himself, AD, and King J. Together again, trying to win their second title in three years, having won in the COVID bubble in 20. The Bucs having won in 21. The Lakers want to win two out of three. LeBron wants to catch Jordan. If you knew how obsessed LeBron was with getting six titles, you wouldn't believe it. He wanted Russell Westbrook on that team. LeBron, what happened to you? Russell Westbrook is never going to win a title. You just guaranteed the fact that the Lakers are not going to win a title. It's an exciting trade, I guess, if you don't want to win a title. Here's my wait to see, folks. The 2022 NBA champions will not be the Los Angeles Lakers with Russell Westbrook as one of the big three. You just wait to see. Well, follow on Twitter all day, David P. Sampson. We're going to be updating. We're going to see what's going on with the deadline. I'll be breaking news. I've got sources left and right. I know when trades are happening before you do. Just kidding. It's just business. Not my business. 
not your business. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.